0: Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Welcome to Crossroads Church. Welcome to week number four of I am second. I don't know if you realize this, but for the last two weeks, Carrie and I have been out of the area just getting back here uh, yesterday, really. And I didn't get a chance to say thank you for the uh, pastor appreciation. Uh, you saw the kids uh, bring a lot of stuff up. Uh, you all throughout the, the week and the month have been uh, showering us with blessings. Uh, so thank you. Uh, we love uh, being here in Centralia. We love uh, being um, here at Crossroads, and we love doing life with you all, so thank you very much. Um, the reason why I was traveling was I had the opportunity to uh, officiate the wedding for one of my best friend's son, and it was uh, his youngest son, and um, it's been exciting for us to to travel out there. Uh, I grew up in Maryland, so we got to visit with other friends and family. It um, it has been a very fast week. We spent a lot of time in the car, 35 hours, I think, is what we were uh, driving over the that trip. And then when we got back, we were here for a half a day, and we went up to Springfield, Illinois, for the Illinois Baptist Annual Meeting, and that was a great uh, time. Um, matter of fact, it was so good when we finished up the first evening, and we everybody, uh Poured out into the lobby and was waiting for the elevators. Um, Carrie and I were there, Jacob and Jamie were there, and about 100 other people wanting to get on the same elevator. And Carrie said, uh, had a great suggestion. She so said, Let's take the steps. <laughs> I knew better than to argue with that suggestion. I would gladly wait. You know, I would let everybody get on that elevator first. And, uh, but you know what? We went to the steps and bless the Lord, He made sure that we weren't the only ones that went to the step. And so there was an older couple in front of us. That's why I say bless the Lord. Um, they were the pace setter. And then uh, behind us was the president of the IBSA. And so we start up these steps. And when we went up the first level, you know, all right, this is going to be some good exercise. When we went up the second level, uh, we thought this is going to be some really good exercise. And then when we got to level four, the older couple peeled off. And I I don't know if they were going to their room or to the elevators um, on the fourth floor, but we kept going. We were on the 10th floor. Thank you, Miss Leona. We deserve that. Um, When we got out, it took us 20, 25 minutes to recover, and uh, Carrie said, I'm not going to do that again (laughs) right after we eat, all right, and so, but we had a blessed time there. Uh, We got back uh, yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, but there was a group here yesterday uh, helping set up a a new uh, children's play area right outside the back um, hallway uh, this is a need that we've had. So you see the kids, they're in here for a little bit, and then they disappear, right? You can spread yourselves out. And uh, But there's another group, the younger group, that they're behind these walls with, with their fearless leaders for almost two hours on a Sunday morning. And so we um, recognize that having a little playground area would be great. And so we've got rubber mulch out there. It's almost completely finished. I'd encourage you to go take a peek at that. Um, And see what we're doing for our uh, children's ministry and for the kids so that uh, when you get them back, you know, it's not just with a lot of sugar All right, well here we are in week number four of I am seconds in week number one I shared with you the power of story And I hope I convinced you that we all have a story. The question is are we going to share it? Week number two, I asked you to consider this who is in your village using the woman at the well, and because of her story, which isn't one that you would go into the church and and proclaim, but because of that story, many believed. And then last week, oh, thank you so much, Josh Cross, for stepping in um, and sharing his story. Josh's story is what happens when God's story meets your story. You see, our story isn't always the prettiest. Our story isn't always the one that um, we are necessarily proud to share. But when we combine our story with what God is doing and can do with it, it becomes a powerful thing. And last Sunday, you saw how powerful it can be. I would encourage you this. If you haven't done so already, you absolutely need to uh, find that message on social media, either on our Facebook or on YouTube, and share that. I know that there's somebody in your circle of influence who needs to hear that story. This week, I want to talk to you about a different topic. I want to talk to you about the fact that first doesn't work. First doesn't work. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew in the sixth chapter. I'm going to read one verse from there today. Under this concept, first doesn't work. You saw the the video is just a a promo for there are multiple um, U.S. Olympians that have created I Am Second videos. And whenever I think about being first, I think about this concept. Have you ever seen the Olympics and and when somebody wins, uh, there's the gold medal winner and then the silver medal winner and then the bronze medal winner. And they are there and they, they get their medallions. And as you look at those three, I don't know if you've ever realized this, but not all of them are as happy as the other person. Matter of fact, um, this has been such an interesting topic that scientists have studied it, And, and they have empirical evidence that proves that one of those three are the least happy of the group. Now, let me just ask you, who do you think is the most happy on that platform? The gold medal winner, right? You know, they are the champion. They are the the best in the world. So obviously, then who would be the second happiest? You would think that it's the silver medal winner, but it's not. The silver medal winner is actually the least happy on that group. And and here's why. The silver medal winner, all they can think is, oh, I was one tenth of a second from being the best in the world. Most of us don't even know the biggest event in the United States annually is the Super Bowl. And most rarely ever remember the team that came in second place. Beat all the other teams except one, and we forget that. Well, that's where the silver medalist is. You know, they wanted to be first, and they just missed it. Now, the person who wins the bronze medal, they have a totally different mindset. They are almost as happy as the gold medal winner because they made the cut. Like everybody else, they're back in their hotel rooms, they're somewhere else, but the bronze person, they're there. They're happier than the person who came in second place. Why? Because they did it. They represented. You know, I don't think that this is too far of an analogy for Christians. I think that many times we as Christians aren't happy with being second, and so we want to be first. And we want to be first in the best possible way. We want to be first with the best of intentions, but the reality is this, that we struggle, our human nature struggles with being second. So I want to talk to you about that topic today first. It doesn't work. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you would be with us today. God, I pray that your message would be heard. Lord, I ask that you would prepare our hearts and and to hear what your word says and allow us to evaluate and find out, God, what is it that we are putting ahead of you? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you uh, found your Bibles, if you found Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read Verse 33, and everything I'll say today is about verse 33. But before I do that, let me explain to you what's going on in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And what happens here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus expounds on a bunch of areas as Christians that we need to think about. And then he culminates with verse 33. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you that culmination. God's word says it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so what I'd like to do is I want to pull out portions of this verse. And the first portion I want to share with you is this, but seek first. When the Bible tells us to, to seek first, it means this in, I believe, multiple different ways. I think that it means to seek first in order. Now, there's good news with this when we say to seek first in order. I believe that if God wants us to seek Him first, He's allowing us to have a second, third, and fourth, fifth, sixth agenda. He permits that. His only requirement is, is seek Me first unfortunately for us when we see those words we think that it's an either or proposition either we seek god first and we can't have any of these other things that we want that we desire and we don't realize that god says that's just not so you can if you can seek me first you can have the job that you're wanting if you seek me first you can have the finances that you deserve If you'll seek me first, you can have the relationships that you are longing for. But many times, just like the silver medalist, we don't want to have second place with our job. We don't want to have second place with our finances. We don't want to have second place when it comes to anything else. And we take God out of that and we put what we desire the most first. Well, not only do I believe that the Bible is referring to seek first in order, but it also means to seek first in priority. Some construction workers years ago happened upon a corpse outside of the ancient city of Pompeii. Many had died when a volcano exploded. It was uh, Mount Vesuvius in AD 79, and they found a corpse that was almost 2,000 years old. They could tell that it was a woman and the corpse uh, was encased in the lava. And as they peeled that back, they, they saw the entire body of the woman and clutched in her hands were jewels. I want you to know those jewels were in perfect condition when they got all the lava away from it. Her body, not so much. The jewels had survived, but the woman had not. I think that that happens in our lives where we spend 30, 40, 50 years of our life hanging on to something. And and here's what you don't realize. That something is probably going to last. But your soul won't because you're hanging on to the wrong thing. So not only do we seek God first in order, one, two, three, Not only do we seek first in priority, and in this case, this woman's priority, I think, was mistaken. She was more concerned about what she could hang on to than getting away from the danger. And I believe the third way that this talks about seeking first is that we need to seek first in pursuit. Um, One of the first things that we should do when we ask Christ to be our Lord and Savior is to take that step of obedience, believer's baptism. Next Sunday, we'll uh, fill up our baptistry again and we've got four people that will be getting baptized. If you are here this morning and and you have asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and you've never taken that step of obedience, this is one way to put Christ first. I would pull out one of our decision cards and I would fill that out and let us know and join the group next week. I'll reach out to you this week and join those that are going to get baptized and show the world what's happened inside of your heart. The Bible tells us that no one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Those are the words of Jesus. The reality is this, church, we can't have two masters. And I know at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and, and for the next two hours, most of us have put God first. That's why you're here. That's why they're watching online. We've put God first for these two hours. But what does it look like the rest of the week? You hear us boldly proclaim that we're not just a church on Sundays. But I ask this question, are you a Christian only on Sundays? I know there were many years in my life that that would be found to be true. Where I would be in church, I would be serving, but yet somehow on Monday I forgot where I was yesterday. On Tuesday, it was oblivious. And then come Saturday, uh, I knew that I was going to church on Sunday. And I would put God first, but then I would take Him down and, and replace Him the rest of that week. Spent seasons of my life doing those actions. Maybe you're wondering how can you tell what's first in your life? What is your first pursuit? Well, uh, here's three ways that you can check that. Number one is your calendar. If you look at your calendar, you'll find that um, that you could mark off the time that you spend working. You can mark off the time that you spend sleeping, even if it's rolling and tossing and turning and ruminating. You can mark off time that you spend gaming on a regular basis watching TV, shopping online, eating. Is anyone like me? We we go out of town and basically every, at each meal we planned, the next meal. It's coming, in six hours we got to eat. What are we going to do? If you look at your calendar, you'll find what your first pursuit is. Not only could you look at your calendar, but you can look at your checkbook. Now I know some of you like, what's that? You can look at your online bank account. And you can see where your chief pursuit is. Matter of fact, you'll see that a lot. Amazon, 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 Amazon. Ten years ago it was Walmart, 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 Walmart. Some of it's Starbucks, 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 Starbucks. But if you look at your checkbook or your bank account, you will see what your chief pursuit is. And the third area I would encourage you in seeing how it's a 2021, uh, pull out your cell phone. Um, if you look at your cell phone, matter of fact, there, there's a utility on there where uh, if you look at your battery, it will tell you how much time you spend on different applications that are on your phone. And, and so um, I, I pulled it out the other day, and, and, and being a proud man that I am, on my, if you look at my phone, you'll see on the opening screen the, the the Bible app is right there, you know, because I want anyone who sees me open it up, they see that. I was embarrassed when I did the battery percent challenge. I said, I know it's on here, and I had to scroll too far down on that list. Of when I'm looking at my phone, how much I spent looking at God's word and how much I spent doing other things. We all have something that we're pursuing first. I came across this statistic the average American day, sleeping was number one. Y'all get an amen? Some of you are working on it right now. Thank you. And you're (laughs) blessed. All the way down at the bottom of the list, religious activities. Let's continue reading in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. The second phrase that I want to pull out is the kingdom of God. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, makes this statement The person who does not seek the kingdom of God first does not seek it at all. And I believe when we think about first in order, we think about first in priority, we think about first in pursuit, that that is the message that God is telling us, that when we don't seek his kingdom first, we're not seeking it at all. The reality is this, that the Bible tells us that there is a better government coming to this earth that we stand on. Daniel the prophet wrote about it with these words, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Daniel 2, verse 44. Unfortunately, most Christians live their lives and miss the whole concept of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying that they live their lives and they they miss salvation. But they miss what the kingdom of God is all about. They miss... You see, the kingdom of God is in direct conflict with the world. If, If you haven't figured that out yet, you will one day. That what God wants us to do as gentle... As loving, as merciful as that is, it's in direct opposition with what the world wants. Now, the world says they want those things, but their actions never prove that out. That's why Jesus was such a surprise to the religious leaders of his day. Because he wasn't worried about what they were doing on Sunday, and in that case, Saturday, the Sabbath. He was more concerned on where their heart was. And I'm here to tell you that when it comes to putting the kingdom of God first, God is more concerned with where is your heart than where is your mouth. He's more concerned with what do your feet and hands do than what do you intend to do. The problem is this, when we say yes to the kingdom, we say no to lesser priorities. And here we have this great crux of life, and that is how do we balance what's important with what is essential? Because I would argue on your behalf that the things that you put in front of God are important to you. I, I don't know what those are for you individually. You know, and, and I'm convinced that that is probably a good a wholesome, a wonderful thing. But the problem is when we take that good, that wholesome, and that wonderful thing and and we take God out of it and we put it in God's place, it becomes wrong. You see, that's what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. He took what God said and he just changed the words a little bit. And we do the same thing. We take but God has promised us and challenged us, and we change it just a little bit. And we feel like, we, but that's not going to hurt anybody. And see, you're not even thinking about the kingdom of heaven. Because the word that Daniel concluded with was this word, forever. Most of us spend our 20, 30, 40, 60, 80 years here on this earth Thinking about how can we get the most during while we've got a pulse. And what you don't realize is your life is just going to truly begin when you take your last breath in this body. And you miss it. You, you, we're clueless as Christians when it comes to the kingdom of God. The final phrase in Matthew 6, is this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I, I'm just going to be very blunt and with you right now. I was going to say honest, but that's a good thing for a pastor to be. That's almost like if, if, if one of your coworkers says, look, trust me, don't. If they got to say that, so if a pastor says, let me be honest, he's probably not. All right, so let me be blunt with you. One of the reasons why you probably love this verse, Matthew 6, 33, I would be surprised if this isn't one of everyone's top ten verses, is the reason why we like it is this phrase, and all these things will be added. It's almost like a kid at Christmas. I mean, visions of sugar plums dance through your head when you think, All these things, all these things become a job, they become a relationship, they become a new sports car, they become, you fill in the blank of what all these things represent to you. And if you'll put God in his right place, you'll get all of these, you'll get this Christmas list. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Matter of fact, um, when we seek and we pursue God with the intent of just getting free access to the goodies, we miss the point. I learned this the hard way. Psalm 106 says these words, the children of Israel were going through the wilderness. And it says that God gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. I was in Bible college. I was a bit disillusioned in Bible college, and I prayed a prayer that probably makes no sense at all. I I asked God, get me out of here. I I know you know that in the church there's hypocrites in here. There is. I'm not going to point any of you out. But in Bible college, there's bigger hypocrites. And I encountered a few. And I just realized I didn't want to do four years of this and be that. And so I prayed and I asked God, get me out of here. And He gave me my request, but He sent leanness into my soul. 28 years I pursued. God let me back in. I wonder. I, I enjoyed my 28 years in the military, but I want, in the military. But I wonder what could have happened if I had been in full-time ministry for those 28 years. Look at what we've accomplished in just three years. What happens decades later? Many of you are asking God for that job, that relationship that check and your heavenly father will ultimately end up giving it to you. But it's going to cost? He's going to allow you to marry that person that you probably shouldn't. He's going to allow you to buy something that you can't afford. And all of those decisions that we make when we don't put God first are going to cost us so many christians think that when it comes to matthew six thirty three, that the satisfaction comes in the end of getting all these things but truth be told is the satisfaction comes at the very beginning seeking first the kingdom of god if you've never done that you don't understand the words that just came out of my mouth If you've never done that, you'll not understand this phrase that I use often, and that is, in God's economy, it just works. It makes no sense. The things that God challenges us to do, and yet when we do them, when we follow through on the premise, that's when we get the promise. If you look at chapter 6, there are a bunch of premises. And this is the culmination, the promise. All these things. See, uh, at the very beginning in verses 1 through 4, he talks about this concept of righteousness. But the problem is that some the, the people that Jesus was talking to, the righteousness that they pursued was righteousness that people would see them. They would see them give to the poor. They would see them uh, offer up prayers. And what Jesus was saying here in verse 63 when he says all these things, he's saying, you will experience real righteousness. You see, I, I believe that when we get to heaven, there are people that you saw that were very prominent in, with their Christian faith, and yet there will be uh people who sat in the pews, sat in the chairs, were very quiet, and yet God will lift them up because of the work, because of the heart, because of the actions that he saw. That's what real righteousness looks like. Verses 5-15, through uh, Jesus talks about performing prayers. And the, the ideal is that some people pray to be heard. And what Jesus said, I want you to pray in such a way, do it in your closet in private so that your father hears. Because if your father hears, he will reward you openly. Verses 16 through 18, he introduces this concept of fasting. And there's nothing worse than fasting and not getting the result because Jesus said these words, this kind comes only by fasting. And so all of these things is to have a fruitful fast, have a fast day. you get to see God intervene in your life. In verse 19 through 24, he talks about this concept of treasure. And unfortunately, most of us, when we think about treasure, we never get past temporary treasure. We think about treasure that one day will be left in our bank accounts, will be left in our coffin, will be left to somebody else. And what Jesus said, all these things is it includes a treasure that will last. Forever. Verse 25 through 30, he talks about anxiety, worry, probably the number one issue for most of us, and yet God wants to take your aimless anxiety and show you that there's nothing to worry about, but see, you, you, you don't believe that, you don't understand, I've got a, I've got a court case coming up next week. And you're going to worry about it, and not one ounce, not one minute, not one second of the worry that you do is going to help the judge determine the case. But you've convinced yourself that you've got to do that, and somehow that makes you a better mom, a better wife, a better husband. But Jesus says it doesn't make you a better Christian. Jesus says it doesn't make you a better follower of him. And then the last in verses 31 and 32, Jesus talks about necessary needs, food, clothing, shelter. See, most of us, when we raid all these things, we just think about the food, the clothing, the shelter. And Jesus is talking about everything in that chapter. He's talking about a real righteousness. He's talking about performing prayers that you see God answer. He's talking about a fruitful fast where God in heaven comes down and intervenes in your life. He's talking about not a temporary treasure, but a treasure that doesn't rust and it won't decay. He's talking about peace, shalom, where everything is as it should be in your life. And oh yeah, he's talking about where you're going to get your next happy man. You see all these things. What I find amazing is as you go through that is each one of them is given to you directly by the Father. But you'll only get it directly from the Father when you put Him first. Let me close with one more verse and it's uh, separate, it's different. Psalm 37, 4. This was my life verse when I was 13 years old. From 13 to 15, this was my life verse. You'll see why I changed that. It reads this way, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Could you understand why a 13-year-old likes that verse? Go to seminary with this verse, and, and you get the argument, well, what does it mean to get the desires of your heart? I know what it means. It means zeros in the bank account. It means relationships with no turbulence. But when you start to peel back, I think Psalm 37.4 is Matthew six thirty-three, written two thousand years earlier. To delight—that's putting it first. You see, a deep, satisfying connection doesn't happen overnight. And many of you, I know, you want to have a deep, satisfying relationship with the creator of this world. The person who formed you, who knew you while you were yet in your mother's womb. And and yet, if you were honest with me, you would raise your hand if I said, how many feel like God is a stranger to you sometimes? Sometimes. But the truth is this, no amount of self-determination will ever produce a sincere delight in God. To delight in God becomes a byproduct of knowing God. See, you can delight in God when the entire world has fallen apart. You can delight in God when your car breaks down. You can delight in God when you get fired. You can delight in God when everything else doesn't seem to make sense if you know God. But when you don't know God, and you take Him out of first place, and you, you put something else there, folks, you're going to end up frustrated. You're going to end up wondering why do you keep feeling the same way over and over again. I remember on my deployment to Afghanistan, how that there were... Uh, People on my team that I didn't like when we first got together. And yet, as over the months, as we got to know each other, it started making sense. And that person that I didn't like because their jokes weren't funny, I started laughing at their jokes. Because I knew what was going on in their life. The same thing is true for you and your relationship with God. If you would get to know God, you would realize that it's not so hard to seek him first. It's not so hard to allow all of those more important things to be second place to what is essential. He goes, here's the reality. If you get what you want from God and you don't put him first, Whatever that is, you'll leave on this earth. But if, if you'll put God in his rightful place, if you'll do what Matthew 6.33 says and to seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things. Unfortunately, we have been ruined by commercials on TV. We have been ruined by the money-back guarantee concept. And, and we think, well, that God, if I put you first, then I need you. You just missed it. He's no longer first. Because what you're saying is, this is first, God. I'm going to say you're first, but this is really first. So, God, I'll, I'll acknowledge you and I'll give you credit, but really, what I'm, uh, this is most important to me. So, please, make this work out. And if God could sit across the table from you, he'd say something like, Ronnie, 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 you're missing it. You're asking for something that isn't good for you. I know all. I know how this is going to turn out. Trust me. And here's what we say. Well, I, I trust you, God. And then we continue the sentence. But... And what happens is the cares of this world and the the complacency about them can blind us to the truth. And what happens is we allow important things in our life to knock out what is essential, which is a relationship with God. Today, each of us have the opportunity to seek first. Seek first is an invitation to trade. What are we trading? We are trading a life about ourselves for a life. To be a child of the King. We are trading the provision that comes from what we do for provision that comes because of who we are. A child of the King. And I'm here to tell you that God is offering to provide you everything you need. He is here to give you what you need spiritually, He's here to give you what you need physically, He's here to give you what you need emotionally, financially, relationally. If you'll just seek Him, first. When you seek him first, all of these things will be added. Oh, goodness. Worship team, would you come forward? I ask you this question in closing. What are you hanging on to? Because here's the reality. Just like that woman that was encased in that lava one day, all of us, should the Lord Terry, are going to be put into a casket. And we may sit at the front of a church just like this right here. You've probably been to them. Family members take things that they think was important to that person, and they put them in the casket. I know they know it's not going anywhere else. Now, years ago in, in the Egyptian pyramids, they, they would take all Of the pharaoh's goodies. And they would stuff them in there. And a hundred, a thousand years later. When somebody discovered that pyramid. They tore it apart. And there was the bones of that pharaoh. And yet what they found was all the goodies. They left the bones and they took the spoils. One day you're going to find out. That you have been gathering. You have been trying to get a lot of different things in your life. And one day, you're going to be in the casket. And one day, you're going to believe that that stuff is there with you. And the reality is that the only thing that's going to stay in that casket is your bones. Because one day, someone's going to get a hold of that casket. And whatever gold, whatever cash, whatever you put in there, it's going to be taken. So the question is this. What, what are you holding on to? What's in your hands that you you don't want to give up? Some of this is going to be hard. Some of you need to give up your kids. You hold on to your children more than you hold on to God. You mean the best, it's important. I'm not telling you to have a bad relationship. But you put your relationship with your children above God. And it shows. Some of you are holding on too tight to your job. You like your job because it's comfortable. You like your job because every two weeks a very nice paycheck comes in. But you're missing out on so many other things in life because of that job. Some of you are holding on jewels that one day won't be here. And you're going to miss out on the kingdom of God. You're going to miss out on what Jesus said when he said those who have been faithful with the few will be given many to rule. Church, it's not about the the years that you spend alive on this earth. None of us are getting out of here alive. None, not one. What is your eternal legacy going to look like? It's when we put God first, when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness. It doesn't make sense, but in God's economy, it just works. When we put God first, he'll take care of that child when we put god first he'll take care and get you the job that you really need when we put god first he'll take that bank account that doesn't have enough zeros or has too many minuses and he'll fix that but the problem is we gotta put god first i hope no one in here walks out of here today without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. See, he puts you first. John 3.16 tells us this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish. He wasn't talking about dying physically. He was talking about our soul. If you're here this morning and you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you can point back to a time that you got saved, but yet you never followed up with baptism. You've never shown the world what's going on in here. I would encourage you, pull out that decision card, fill it out while we begin to sing, mark baptism, and then show up next week. Get baptized. Show the world what's going on. It's not too late. I don't care if it was 10 months or 10 years ago. Take that believer's step of obedience and baptism. Maybe you're here this morning and you had no idea when you walked in the room what you were hanging on to. But the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you over the last 30 minutes. And you're struggling with it, you're having a mental argument. And you're trying to convince the Holy Spirit that no, that's that's, that's not the way it is. And you know better. If you would, stand to your feet. Today we are going to close with a song that most of us know. If you grew up in church, you sang this song a hundred if not a thousand times. The title of the song is called I Surrender All. Now the reality is this folks I've read this statement and I believe it to be true and that is more lies are told in the church on a Sunday morning while hymns are being sang than in any other time during the week today let's change that I want all of us to sing this song but I don't want you to sing it if you don't mean it if you can't from a heart say that I surrender all to God it's okay be silent but if you're here this morning and you're ready, you're tired of holding back holding out on God what I want you to do is I want you to lift up your voice and I want you to sing to your Savior and and maybe whatever you're having in your hand you can just give it back leave it here seek God first I am excited about what it looks like when he adds all these things into your life will you sing with us let me pray and then God in heaven we, I just ask that God you, you see the hearts that your Holy Spirit is working and God that we as a church will give up all in the name of Jesus Christ god that we will pursue and seek after your kingdom that we will forget about the next 20 years and lord we will think about the next 20 million years god we love you we praise you help us change centralia help us reach out to those who are are crying out for you in jesus name i pray amen as a church it's our honor to play a small part in all that god is doing in and through your life and we would love to continue with you on that journey you see it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of christ who walk by faith and not by sight